0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 91, and I'm talking with Krista Dujane. Krista is a Canadian athlete. She's known as Canada's marathon mom. She has a half marathon PR of 1,1052 and a marathon PR of 228.32. Krista ran in the Rio Olympics in 2016. She is the mom of three little kids and she's a registered dietitian. Krista realized her potential in running a little bit later in life than most elite athletes you hear about. So her story's really unique and interesting and I loved talking to her over a glass of wine at 8 p.m. on a Friday night. (laughs) Before we get started talking with Krista, I wanna thank a couple sponsors who are supporting this show. The first is Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best heated clothing. Now this is a super fun idea for a gift coming up this holiday season. Their clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort to your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Now I have a pair of socks and a hat, and I'm telling you what, I live in this big old house, and in the winter when I'm just so cold because, you know, Glenn only lets me turn up the heat so high. (laughs) These warm socks are just so cozy. So they're engineered safely and efficiently to deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. Their batteries can recharge on your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. You guys can go to action-heat.com slash another to check out everything they have to offer. Use the coupon code ANOTHER, all caps, at checkout to save 15% off your order. Thanks Action Heat for supporting this podcast. And the other sponsor I want to thank for supporting the show is Generation UCAN. UCAN powders and bars offer a super starch that gives you a slow release carb with no crash. They offer long lasting energy with no sugar spikes and they're easy on your stomach. The super starch is the secret sauce in UCAN. You guys can try samples for $5, under $5, in fact, and free shipping. If you go to generationucan.com slash samples, save an extra 15% with the code ANOTHERALLCAPS. I truly believe in the product. I use it. Several of my running friends use it. If you guys are already loving the product, you can just use that promo code ANOTHERALLCAPS. If you go to generationucan.com slash you can use that on any of their products, and I highly recommend them. Okay, if you haven't left a writing interview for the show yet and you're loving it, I would so appreciate if you would do that. It is super helpful in new listeners finding the show. And one of my friends actually just sent me an Instagram message that said I showed up on their new and noteworthy section on iTunes, which is funny because I don't consider this show new anymore. Maybe they're calling it noteworthy though. I don't know. But that is all due to the ratings and reviews. So the more that you guys can do that, the more helpful that is. So thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to do that and taking time out of your day to listen. So enjoy this conversation with Krista. Are you Eastern time as well? Yes. Okay. So... Let me just guess that you just put your kids to bed too.
1: Oh, no, they're all up. (laughs) We aren't um, early to bed around here in this house, and it's the weekend, so. (laughs) Yep, they're just downstairs with my husband.
0: How old are your kids?
1: 11, 9, and 6.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's a different ballgame then because my kids are 1, 3, and
1: 5, so it's totally different. Oh, yes, very different. Yes. Uh My
0: last ones just Mm -hmm. went to
1: bed. (laughs) Oh, nice. So they're two years apart. How, How many boys and girls? Um, I have three boys. Oh, three boys. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: So we try to get them down by eight o'clock most nights and then relax yeah. for a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is so exciting. You're coming to Indianapolis.
1: Yes. Yes, I am. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Okay. So um, everybody listening, Krista, you're going to have to tell me how to say your last name. Dujain. Dujane.
1: No. Dushane.
0: Duchesne. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, that's right.
0: Okay. So Krista is coming to Indianapolis for the Monumental Marathon Expo, and are you running the race, Krista?
1: No, I don't think I'm going to. At one point, I thought about doing the half marathon on this Sunday, but when I committed to speaking, I wasn't sure what shape I'd be in. I was just getting over an injury, so I decided a few weeks ago that I would not.
0: Well, you know, you can like hobby jog the marathon with me because I'm running the marathon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I could handle 42 kilometers. To be honest, at this point, I'm up to about 28, but that might put me over the edge.
0: <laughs> so, when are you coming mm-hmm. to town?
1: I am going to uh, fly Friday, and I think I'll go straight to the expo from the airport. Actually,
0: and what do you normally, um, what do you normally speak about when you do these engagements?
1: Uh, usually, I kind of tell my story about how. Um, I grew up and played hockey and ran and then uh, played hockey at university, then got back into running again and decided to do a marathon just for fun and then decided to do another one and another one and kind of got faster with each one and had three kids and broke my leg and <laughs> and made it to the Olympics.
0: Okay, kind so of,
1: um, yeah,
0: let's delve into that then. Let's delve into all of that. So I saw on your Instagram today – You posted your first marathon um, 15 years ago. Today,
1: 15 years.
0: Today it was 15 years ago, and you would have been, Mm. so you're 39 now, right?
1: I'm 40 now.
0: Ooh, you just celebrated 40. When was Mm -hmm. your
1: birthday? Oh, it was back in January.
0: Okay, so you're 40 now. So Mm -hmm. then you would have been 25. Yes. Okay. I was 25. You ran a 328 on your first marathon and just so everybody listening knows you now have a PR of 228. Yes. Tell me a little Absolutely. bit about that first marathon and how I mean I know it's like a big story but like how you got to 328
1: to 228. Well, you know, it's interesting. I sent a message to the man I sat with on when we We're going to the start line. And I felt like a kindergarten getting on the school bus going to her first day of school where I was waving to my husband and I was teary and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And so doing the race, I think like everyone else, I thought, oh, this is painful. What am I doing? And I don't really remember a whole lot about the race. I just knew what pace I was in shape to run and, you know, cross the line. And within a few minutes, you're thinking, I want to do that all over again.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, so basically, uh, after that, I ran, uh, I probably did my next one, six months later in the spring, maybe, uh, uh, it was maybe Mississauga or Ottawa, I can't remember. But basically, with every marathon, I just started taking bigger chunks of time off and I gradually increased my mileage and the quality of my workouts. So I, I self-coached myself for the first three or four. And then I uh, worked with Nicole Stevenson and I went with Rick Mannon and now I'm with Dave Scott Thomas with the Speed River Group in Guelph. So yeah, I just kind of chipped away at taking time off. And then, you know, at one point I you know, decided to make more of a career out of it. So over the years, as we had kids, I decreased my hours as a dietitian and spent more time training to the point that I was training full time. And, you know, it was it was my main career.
0: So you had your first kid in what year?
1: Uh, In it was uh, 10 months after Boston. (laughs) Well, that was uh, 2006 is when our first child was born. So I ran Boston in three hours and 46 seconds in April of 2005. And then we had our first child uh, the following February of 2006.
0: Was that a PR at the time?
1: I PR'd every single time uh, with every marathon until about maybe the 11th or 12th. Yeah. So every time I ran I took time off.
0: Man, so you ran 3 hours and 46 seconds and then you obviously must have found out you were pregnant like the next day or something if you had your your child <laughs> 10 months later. Yeah.
1: yeah, I we I think I knew, I'm not sure. I, I remember the day that I took a test and it was positive and I had my running clothes on. I thought, well, I ran yesterday and I did, didn't know I was pregnant and I've got my running clothes on. And even though I know I'm pregnant, I'm going to run today. And I ended up running right through. I did a half marathon. I was six months pregnant with him and ran right through to the end. I mean, obviously got slower as I got bigger, and but that didn't matter. I did more cross training. And, um, and then I did not do a marathon between my first and second. I did have a bit of a sciatica issue. And then um, when my second was born, kind of my breakthrough race where I decided to take it even to the next step was the Mississauga marathon in May of 2009 on mother's day. And I won that race and I was relatively unknown. And that's when I got the title marathon mom Mm. because it was on mother's day and I won the race. (laughs) So then that's when I hired my first coach because I was like, okay, I know I can be faster, but I don't know how to do it. Mm. So then we met, she looked at my training and we just started plugging away from there.
0: What was your time at that race?
1: That I think it was about 2:51. Okay. And then uh when I was with her I think I ran about three or four marathons in about a year and a half like more than I would now. And I think before we had our third, I ran 2:39 and that's when I won my first national championship in Ottawa of May, 2010.
0: So when you decided to have a third baby, were you like, mm, this is really going to like put a cramp in the training or were you just like, we really want to have three children and I'm not going to let that get in the way of, you know, knocking this down even more.
1: Well, having a baby seemed to be the key to my success because every <laughs> child I had, it got faster and we actually plan to have four. Um, so it, Whenever I, you know, I would do a bunch of marathons and then uh, have a baby break, which, you know, physically and emotionally and mentally, it took me out of the whole competition, you know, the whole, you know, intensity of that. So it gave me a true break for nine months where I, you know, removed myself from, you know, seeing how others were training and how they were doing and just focusing on staying in shape and, and enjoying being pregnant.
0: Yeah. Did you, so after, now your youngest is six now, correct? Yes. Okay. So now you're like, okay, I've been out of the baby years for a while. Did you find that, man, I'm just thinking to my life right now because my youngest is one and it's just, you know, it's so physically and emotionally exhausting when you have children crawling on top of you all the time
1: yes oh yeah
0: do you find that once you were kind of like out of that baby baby stage that you kind of got a little bit of I guess I don't know what to say but like energy back
1: yeah it's interesting because obviously when they get older like we we trained our kids to do work around the house and to help so you're not as physically exhausted you're not up at night with them Mm -hmm. but then really when I look back at those years you know, I was peaking, that's when I ran my 228. Mm -hmm. And um, my youngest would have been uh, two years old, I guess. Yeah. When you did the 228? Yeah, because she was born in 2011. And I ran my 228 in 2013. Yeah. Wow. So actually, I went over to Rotterdam to try to make the Olympic standard for the 2012 Olympics. It was just kind of last minute, hey, let's do this, why not try? And I went over and ran a 232, and I weaned her from breastfeeding two weeks before I left. Wow. So that was a big breakthrough, running that 232. So, you know, looking back, that's when 2013 was my best year, where I had a personal best in nearly every distance, and I ran a 110, in the half marathon, and I ran 32 minutes in the 10K, 32 high, and I ran a 5K at about 15:58. So I look back and I think, wow, how did I do that? Because I was up in the night nursing babies, changing diapers, cleaning up puke and poop. and But, you know, when you're in the moment, you don't know anything else, and you're so driven and passionate to really continue to enjoy running that I just made it work. Mm-hmm. I just... Yeah, like there'd be nights where if, if I knew someone was sick and I'd have to not be able to go to the gym or, you know, the day would be changed, I would, you know, go for my run at four in the morning. And, you know, there was a whole season that I did two runs a week at 4.30 in the morning mm. because that's when I could make it work.
0: You know, and I do feel like at this phase, though I'm physically exhausted and and it's like up until the moment you walk away from your kids, you're, you know, they're taking, emotion from you too, I do feel so much freedom when I run.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think that that is part of, you know, any success I have now too, is that you're like, ah, I'm away and I just get to breathe right now and do what I want to do, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I did and that I've kind of given other people, you know, the suggestion or advice when they ask me, you know, how can I still run and have a family is, know the hat that you're wearing when you're doing it. So I was conscious to enjoy my time at home with my babies and not wish I was running. Mm. Then when I was running, I enjoyed my time running with my friends and did not wish I was at home with my babies. Mm, That's so good. So it it worked perfectly because you don't need to feel guilty. You're doing something that's good for you, that you love, that's good for your family. But don't think about your other job when you're doing the, the job that you love.
0: That's really good, yeah, and I, yeah, and just and your kids will see that it's important that mom's doing what she's passionate about.
1: Exactly, and it's better for everyone. I mean, let's face it; we can't run. We're we're grumpy. Yeah. So, in
0: 2013, when you ran the 228, you broke the Canadian record.
1: Well, technically, yes, but. Lanny Marchant broke it ahead of me in the same race by, she beat me by 32 seconds. So she's the fastest Canadian and I'm the second fastest. So we both broke the record on the same day. It was a 28 year old record, but um, like my kid said, well, she, she shares some of the prize money with you, right? Cause you broke it too. <laughs> oh no, it's all hers.
0: I know. Well, I yeah. knew, I knew that, but I, you can, you still broke it. I mean, it was still <laughs> a 20 year record and you broke it on that day as well. Um,
1: 28 years, yeah.
0: 28. Now tell me, though, like, man, how did that feel to know, A, that you were breaking the record, but B, that someone else was breaking it, too, just ahead of you?
1: Well, it's interesting because Sylvia Ruger, who held the record for all those years, was at the race, and she and I share the same Christian faith. And so after the race, I was like, oh, I'm so disappointed. I really wanted that record. I thought God could use me. And, you know, she said, and I had her repeat it because it was so meaningful. It takes more grace than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. Mm. And so that's my story. Like, we're not all going to be the best. There's only one winner in every race. But being the second fiddle or being second best, so many people can relate to that because you strive to meet a goal and maybe you almost met it, but not quite. So, yeah, I wanted to win that title and be the fastest Canadian, but I think that makes my story that much more valuable or inspiring when people can see I've had a lot of disappointments. I have had a lot of highs and a lot of lows, and, you know, that was both a high and a low that day. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of neat that that's, that's what I've taken from it because I'm always going to take it as a positive experience.
0: Yeah, now... How do you, have you known Sylvia for a long time?
1: Uh, Like since I've been marathon running um, for the last, uh, you know, like the funny thing is I didn't know a lot about marathon running growing up. I played hockey and um, if anything, my siblings thought I would make it to the Olympics for gymnastics because they used to go around the house and do cartwheels when I watched it on TV. So I wasn't one of these people who from, you know, age six wanted to make it to the Olympics for running. So, To be honest, when I entered the running scene competitively, there were a lot of people I did not know who they were at all Mm -hmm. because I I just entered it recreationally just for fun. So then as I got more competitive, I started to learn names of who was who. Um, So really, I probably only knew who Sylvia was, you know, in the last, you know, I don't know, 10 years, let's say.
0: Lonnie runs for Saucony as well, right?
1: No, she is now with Under Armour. She, after oh, okay. Saucony, she was with Asics, and then now she's with Under Armour.
0: Now, what's that like having a relationship with like someone who's your competitor? Like you guys are obviously happy for each other, but you're also competing against each other on the for the same country.
1: Yeah, you know it's it's a good thing. It's we have a lot of similarities. We both come from big families. She came from like a figure skating background. I came from an ice hockey background. We're both from southwestern Ontario. So, you know, there's a lot that we can relate to, but yet we're also very different. I, you know, live in a house with my husband and three kids. She tends to have, you know, a few homes where she's living with uh, being a lawyer in Tennessee, and uh, she's in Toronto now, and then she's got some family in London. So, you know, we're different in that sense. But, you know, we get on the line, we want to win, Mm -hmm. I want to win, she wants to win. But, you know, we can certainly have healthy relationships outside of competition.
0: So you get on the line and you want to win. What kind of thoughts go through your mind when you're towing the line thinking, okay, I could have a shot at winning. This could be my day. What What motivates you?
1: I mean, I, I believe that it's it's a gift that God's given me with my faith to be able to do this at the age I'm at with kids and the serious injury I had with my leg. And I, it's it's uh, it's so cliche, but just the passion and the love for running. I just love to run. And I'm, I'm driven to succeed. And, um, you know, it's, it's what you do every day leading up to the race. That's the enjoyment, the process the the day-to-day runs and, and workouts and, you know, race day itself is just kind of putting it together and trusting that you've done the training and, you know, executing your mental game, which is the same that you've been executing in all of your practice training runs. So, you know, you're you're trying to get your mind off of the race for the most part for as long as you can. And then when it starts to hurt, that's when you start, you know, counting down the kilometers or, you know, trying to pick off one person at a time and see someone ahead and go after them or think about something totally different not having to do with running. I, I can't say that I have the same mental thought process with every race, but for the most part, it's trying not to think at all. Do
0: you ever think about your kids when you're racing?
1: Ah, uh, yes. There have been a few times where, <laughs> honestly, I, I maybe try to win or, or clench that top three spot because I'm going to get some sort of a medal. That you know, when they were younger, you come home and oh, mommy won a medal, and they put it around their neck, and and you know, now it's kind of like yeah, whatever, another medal. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely think of them because I can always you know, teach them life lessons about running and, and, you know, how it's difficult, but you keep working. And so, yeah, I do, but not all the time, I guess.
0: Yeah. Tell me what year did you break your leg, your femur?
1: 2014.
0: Okay. So you did that the year after you ran the 228.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And what happened?
1: So I was preparing to defend my title at the Half Marathon Canadian Championships in Montreal. And I was in good shape. And uh, about five days before the race, I just felt this bit of a pain in my leg. I didn't know what it was. So, you know, you get those aches and pains leading up to a race. And sometimes it just goes away and... So I, you know, cut back on my training. I was tapering for the race anyways. And I went to, you know, my um, my treatment team and they weren't really sure what it was. And I went and uh, decided to start the race because it seemed kind of tolerable. So I uh, started the race. I had the lead. Um, someone was gaining on me. So I picked it up. And then with about 5K to go, the leg started to get weak. And then with about 500 meters to go, I couldn't put any weight on it whatsoever. So the race kind of ends on a curve. And so I remember thinking, okay, the finish is straight ahead. I can finish this race because I didn't know what it was. So um, I had to hop on the other leg to finish the race. And I remember someone saying, crawl if you have to. And I thought, you bet I will. So I got passed by two other Canadians. I ended up still getting the bronze medal and crossing the line. And Alan Brooks, the race director from the Canada Running Series, he scooped me up and I got... I went to medical tent and fast forward many hours later waiting an eMERGE, I had a stress fracture in my femur that I didn't know about, which turned into a full fracture, which required emergency surgery of a plate and three screws to repair it. Wow. Yeah.
0: I think I watched the finish line. Is there a video of that? You're like oh, yes. hobbling. Okay, yeah, I saw yes. I watched that today.
1: They're playing Eye of the Tiger Uh in the background.
0: Uh (laughs) Do you remember the music playing when it was happening?
1: (sighs) I don't think so. I just have (laughs) seen the video. And and so anytime that song comes on the radio, ah, it takes me back to the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then, uh, less than a year later, you ran an Olympic standard.
1: Yes. So um, the day after my surgery, I thought, um, okay, I'm going to make that Olympic standard in two years. And then two days after my surgery, I said, no, I can do it in one year. And so basically, I started setting goals in the hospital of you know hobbling around on my crutches and going to the bathroom and back and going down to do physio and back and in the meantime I kept fainting but we're not really sure exactly why that happened but <laughs> it had some challenges along the way and then you know when I got home it was can I function in my house with three young kids and do the day, the basic day-to-day work dishes laundry cooking with this broken leg mm-hmm. so then I with my my little girl who was 3 at the time at home So then I just went from crutches to one crutch, to a cane, to walking with a significant limp. Uh, Then once I had the all clear from my orthopedic surgeon that did my follow-up care here, I was allowed to start shuffling. I don't call it running. (laughs) And then I just basically built from there. So then it was, you know, gradually increasing my jogging, like run-walk program, and then It was one kilometer at goal pace, two kilometers at goal pace. And then um, in April, back in Rotterdam, where I tried to make my standard for 2012, I went back to Rotterdam in 2015 and ran a 229, which I didn't know was the standard yet. They had not announced Canada's standards for the Olympics, but I was pretty sure it'd be okay because it was under the standard from 2012.
0: Okay, that's what my next question was. So the standard was 229?
1: It was two twenty nine fifty five for two thousand twelve, and okay. then for two thousand sixteen, it was two twenty nine fifty, and I ran two twenty nine thirty eight.
0: Wow. Okay. So I've interviewed another Canadian um, Olympian, uh, Natasha Wodak. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: We roomed together in Rio. Oh. Yep. Oh yeah, I've known her for several years. she's, oh. she's great.
0: Okay, that's awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ten thousand meter. Yep.
0: She kind of like um, clued like she kind of taught me a little bit about this Canadian process because, you know, here in the States, it's like top three go. Right. Um, so you had to hit the standard and then you still have to be chosen by the committee. Is that right?
1: Right. So we have a qualifying period. We have, you know, courses that we can do it on that are certified that meet the IAAF rules. And, uh, if you run the standard and you are top three, and you prove your fitness, then you'd be named to the team. So I made my standard early in the qualifying period of April 2015. And kind of you kind of hold your breath to make sure that, you know, I mean, no one else beats you out. And then you have to prove your fitness to be named to the team.
0: Mm. So then so. did Canada send three people?
1: No. The only other woman that made the standard after me was Lanny or uh, Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so then in Rio, you ran a 234?
1: I, something like Is that. that. Right? Yeah. Because, yes, I think a 235 maybe. Okay. In August, because then in October, two months after that, I came back to Toronto and won the national championships um, at the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon. And I was, I think, like 233.59. Both times were about a minute from each other.
0: Okay, so tell me about Rio, and was it, I mean, was that an experience that, was it everything you could have dreamed of? Was it different? What was it like?
1: It was everything you could have dreamed of. I mean, the best part was my training went really well in the summer. I trained in the heat and humidity, which was really high in Ontario that summer, and my kids did the housework, the laundry, so that I could train and come back and rest, And uh, it earned them a trip to Rio, so that was pretty neat. Uh, It was quite the story that they could tell their friends when they went back to school in terms of what they did for their summer vacation. And, yeah, the race went well um, in terms of how I executed the plan and just, you know, stuck with the pace that I knew I could do. And um, the best part about the race was that my family was there. So before the race started, I looked up and I saw all the red T-shirts. They had T-shirts with my favorite quote from Eric Vidal I believe God made me for a purpose but he also made me fat uh, but he also made me fast and when I run I feel his pleasure mm. so when I was finishing the race I looked up and I didn't see them but I knew that they were you know obviously somewhere in the stands so I crossed the line and I was like you know celebrating and happy and I looked over and I saw this sea of red t-shirts mm. so I ran over to them and hugging and kissing and crying and and it was like My race went well. My family was there to enjoy it with me. Like, normally you have to go through security and then you meet up somewhere after. But there they were, you know, in the flesh, so to speak, with Canada flags. And my kids had GoPros, so it's all recorded. And just celebrating. And and my, my second son said, Mom, and he leaned forward to give me a kiss. So, you know, we're hugging and kissing. And later that afternoon, we went to the Canada house. And someone came up to me from the Olympic Committee and showed me a picture Someone had captured that moment where, you know, my son and I are kissing and everyone is is cheering and smiling. And so it was like I had that amazing experience and someone caught that moment that you dream of mm, on on camera.
0: That's amazing. Were you it thinking was. about that when you were finishing? Were you thinking about that moment with your family afterwards?
1: I was, but what I pictured was, you know, 30 minutes later, by Mm. the time I find them and we're texting and trying to find a meeting place, like I had no idea that I would be able to like physically hug them.
0: Oh, like,
1: Because, you know, with security and everything, but just where they were, they got the best spot. And CBC Radio had been doing interviews with them, and and they were on the news that night. And, I mean, it was a great experience for them, too, right? And, you know, they worked hard all summer helping me out with all the work around the house. And so it was, you know, it was rewarding for them. They saw how it, you know, it paid off.
0: Now, you mentioned, though, that you roomed with Tasha. Did you, so did you have a, you were separate from your, like, did your husband and your kids stay in a separate hotel?
1: They rented um, through Airbnb. They rented kind of like some. It was like an apartment, I guess, where a couple they rented out um, for vacationers. And so my coach, three siblings, three children, and my husband stayed in that place.
0: Oh, and and, and so
1: okay. yeah. So I stayed in the Olympic Village until I competed, and then after I competed, I stayed with them. And then when they went home, I went back to the village.
0: Okay, to watch the rest of athletes just, you wanted to see some more performances?
1: Yes. And I wanted to stay for the closing ceremonies because the athletics team track and field, uh, we weren't able to go to the opening ceremonies. So I really wanted to go to the closing in which most people did stay for the closing ceremonies.
0: Did you meet anybody at the Olympics that, you know, is just, would be someone that you kind of looked up to or were, were excited to meet?
1: You know, not really. Like, I mean, I saw Usain Bolt and of course with Canada, we have Penny Oleksiak and Andre Degrasse and, you know, phenomenal athletes and I don't get really like starstruck or, sure. you know, want to take selfies with them. <laughs> um, and I think just because I'm so different, I, I couldn't relate to a lot of them. I, like I felt old, honestly. <laughs> I, I'm this 39 year old mom of three who's at the Olympics and, um, yeah, it was just, uh, I guess I couldn't relate to a lot of them and where they, in terms of where they were in their life, but um, yeah, I just really soaked in the whole experience, but I can't say that there was one person that, you know, made it for me.
0: All right, everybody, before I continue this conversation with Krista, I do want to thank a couple sponsors who are helping support the production behind this podcast. The first one is Zappos. Zappos is everyone's first choice for shoes, clothing, and accessories, and everyday running essentials for men, women, and kids. They have a running-specific site now, zappos.com slash running. They have over 1,000 trusted brand names like Nike, Adidas, Brooks, Asics, and New Balance. What you might already know about Zappos is that they have fast and free shipping, free and easy returns, friendly customer service and a 365-day return policy. I ordered something from them and literally it was on my door the next day at 1, 1 p.m. So I ordered it at 4 p.m. and it was on my doorstep at 1 p.m. the next day. Good stuff. You guys head over and check it out. Links to that will be in the show notes. And then I also want to thank Casper Mattress for supporting this podcast. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time designed by humans for humans. You spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. They have three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Casper's not just a mattress company. They offer a wide array of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. They have no hassle returns if you're not completely satisfied. Delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that, sized box. Free shipping and returns in the US and Canada. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep trial. So start sleeping ahead the curve with Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash another and using the promo code have Another at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you, Casper and Zappos for supporting this podcast. Well, let's talk about age though. So you're 40. You ran the 228 when you were what 36
1: 36 yes
0: now that's so impressive you know and I feel like a lot of people peak in their 30s but I mean you were just like going and going and going and what are your goals now?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because on the weekend I just did the broadcast for the Toronto Marathon and Lindsay Tessier, she just had a personal best and she's thirty-nine years old. So it's definitely neat that our sport is growing in Canada and age doesn't necessarily matter. It's, you know, when you peak and how you're doing with your training. So I think for me now I'm it's kind of like I'm ready to pass the torch to that next generation, but yet I'm still holding on a little bit, you know, in that I don't want to close any doors because if I still am running well and succeeding, then I'll keep going. But I'm also at the same time, completely satisfied to call it a career. Now I think I'll always run and I'll go after masters, um, you know, uh, records and that kind of thing. But, um, I, yeah, I don't really know. I'm just taking it one season at a time. When you
0: broke to 30 for the first time, was that like, was that kind of a number that was like, okay, I want to get under 230? Was that a breakthrough?
1: Well, see, when I ran 228, that was the first time I broke 230. And Lanny and I had a really bad experience at the World Championships in Moscow the August before that. It was a super terrible heat wave. I collapsed, didn't finish. She ended up walking a lot of it. So we came back with the passion to prove ourselves and to run as fast as we knew we were capable at the Toronto Marathon. So, back in two thousand and twelve, she also went to Rotterdam to try to make her standard. and we became we were really close with our two thirty two and we weren't named to the team because we didn't make the standard. We appealed it because some distances had um, a and B standards, and there was no B standard for the marathon. Um, we lost our appeal. So we still had that fire to prove that we were, you know, ac- excellent athletes capable of competing against the world's best. So, we knew we were in good shape so we were more going after the record than to go after 230.
0: Mm. Now I could be wrong, but if I'm hearing what you're saying right, did they did Canada send nobody in the marathon that year then?
1: For the women, that's correct. The men, we had three men, Dylan Wykes, Reed Coolsat and Eric Gillis, but the women There were no women. When Lanny and I made it to the 2016 Olympics, it had been 20 years since a woman had run the marathon at the Olympics for Canada.
0: Wow. And you were like in low
1: 30s, weren't you? In your place? uh, Oh, when I placed at Rio? Yeah. I was 35th overall.
0: Yeah. And how many people run it?
1: Oh, I think like 170 maybe. I'm not sure how many finished. I know I was going into the race. I was ranked 50th going in.
0: And you placed 35th? Yes. That's impressive.
1: Yeah, it's it's yeah, it was neat. I know I was like the bottom of the of the first quarter, I think, in terms of statistics. So you're also a dietitian? Yes.
0: Okay, so you went to school for that. You practiced the work for a while and then when did you hang that up to train full time?
1: Well, I I didn't stop. I kept enough hours a week to keep my license. So I basically went very part-time. I only did like one shift a week, just seeing people mostly for chronic disease prevention, you know, cholesterol, diabetes, weight loss, and trained full-time. And then now I'm starting to get back into, um, you know, expanding my career again as a dietitian. And this is an off-season for me. I didn't do a fall marathon So I've got more time to kind of get myself established, but yet I plan to do another marathon in the spring.
0: Will you train hard for it?
1: Yes, but it's, it doesn't take the higher priority that it did before in that um, it's the time of my life where I don't want to look back and wish that I spent more time with my kids skiing, helping with their hockey, doing fun stuff where, yeah, maybe mom's going to get injured. I mean, for, for many years of their young life, it was, don't bump into mom, don't jump on mom, don't hurt her, don't injure her. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want them to remember that about me. It, I mean, to a certain extent, it, it goes with the territory, but, you know, I want them to experience me skiing with them, whether or not I rip on my ACL or not, <laughs> <laughs> sure. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So when you're training, you know, and when you have been training with your kids, um, what does a day in the life look like when you were in the peak of training?
1: Well, so when I was in the peak where I um, got all my personal bests, I was uh, – let me think here. Well, I mean, for the most part, a, a typical day is I, I get up, get the kids ready for school, drop them off. I go to the gym and do some pool running from about 8.30 until maybe quarter after 9, 9.30, uh, change into my running clothes, maybe do some weights first, go for my run, usually 20 to 25K, come back, do stretching and rolling and preventative maintenance, have some lunch, a nap, go to physio or massage around 2 o'clock, and then I pick them up at 3.30.
0: Oh, so do you? would you be able to go home and
1: nap because they're at school? Yes, yes. But see, when they were at home and not in school, I... Would make i didn't let them watch a lot of TV because I saved their screen time for when I needed to nap
0: okay it was it was my
1: babysitter, so basically lock the door, put the TV on immediately go down from my nap and turn the phone off and that's exactly what got me through that that power nap every single day around one o'clock has been my one of my keys to success How
0: long does the nap last?
1: Usually I'm about 20 minutes, but really? if I'm, if I'm really in, in heavy training, um, yeah, I guess it's still 20 minutes, but usually I'm in bed like nine o'clock, nine thirty, mm-hmm. and, and up around six.
0: I just like, I can never turn my brain off enough to fall asleep. Like I'm like, okay, you have an hour and you want to fall asleep, but I can't ever get myself to fall asleep. Are you just so physically exhausted that nothing's stopping you?
1: You know, when I first had my first son, my aunt stayed with me because both my parents died when I was younger. Mm. And I had, um, I started to get a sore throat and my aunt said, she's not one to give a lot of advice, but she said, you know, nap when you can because often when I get overtired, I'd get a sore throat. Nap when you can. Like just make it part of your daily routine. When the baby is down, nap right away. And so I did that the day she left. I shut the phone off. And I napped on the couch and I'm pretty good to just fall asleep right away and wake up in 20 minutes without an alarm.
0: Man, that's amazing.
1: But there were times, though, with, with with the babies where it's like you just fall asleep and they start fussing. In. Yeah. You know, my rule was if I tried to fall asleep three times, I got interrupted. That was it. I wasn't trying for a fourth. It was too frustrating.
0: Totally. That's. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I gave up trying because I, when my first was so little and I would try and then I would get in my own head and I just, like, couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm not going to try this anymore because it just makes me angry when I can't.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I learned with each kid, like when it came to my, my second and my third, I had this really sweet position where I'd get myself on the couch. And even though I wouldn't fall asleep, I would nurse them on this on the one side. And I could have such a nice rest that was almost as good as a nap. Mm. Whereas my first one, I, I nursed them sitting up all the time. Well. Why, why not lie down? It's so much <laughs> better for your b- whole body. So I learned as I went along. Be more, be a little bit more comfortable.
0: Yeah. My husband is one of those people that can just like, I'm going to close my eyes for five minutes and sleep for, you know, however long. And when I wake up, I wake up and I'm always so envious. Like on a Saturday, um, mm-hmm. when the boys are napping and our oldest one is sleeping and I'm like, okay, I know you're going to be on the couch sleeping
1: too. Mm mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, when, one thing that I think that my husband and I have done over the years is if you need something, if you need a nap, go take it. So I will say, I'm done. I'm shut down for 20 minutes. I'm going upstairs to nap. This is my time. So then he's keeping the kids away from me. He's keeping it quiet. So then I can shut my brain off and know if there is something that a kid needs me for, they'll have to wait.
0: Yeah. I do that a lot when we put our, uh, when I put my youngest son down, I'll then lay him down and then I'll just like go sit in the rocking chair for like 20 minutes and read mm-hmm. just to like be alone. And he knows, he knows it doesn't mm-hmm. take that long to put the baby down. I'm, I'm hiding <laughs> yeah. in our room. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Now you talk about your faith a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How does that tie into your training and your racing?
1: Well, like I said, I think that God's giving me this gift. Like I realized that you know, there's not a lot of people out there that are my age with kids and the significant injury I had with my leg that can maintain this level of, you know, competitive running. So it's a gift that I'm grateful to have and that I'm passionate about. And it's who I am. I'm defined by my Christian faith, not my, my, my by, by my performance. So no matter how race goes, good or bad, my attitude and my perspective is always going to be the same. So I'm always going to be grateful. And, you know, in my lowest of lows, it's my faith that's helped me through that. And in my highest of highs, it's kept me humbled.
0: Did you grow up uh, as a Christian?
1: Yep. Grew up in a Christian home. And like I, I said before, both my parents died when I was young. They they had cancer and died two years apart. Oh. So I was 18 and 20. So I, I guess you could say I, I kind of had to grow up a little bit early, you know, earlier than other people. I wasn't calling mom and dad on the weekend from university. I need this. I need that. You know, I had to figure it out and I've got five siblings and we're really close and supportive of each other. So, um, I I mean, it's, it's like many things in life when you don't know anything different. I didn't know what it was like to, you know, have parents at my wedding. Like Mm -hmm. my parents have been gone for so long. So it's, it's nothing that I really thought about was, Oh, I wish my mom and dad were here. Well, you know, that's just not what was going to be for my life.
0: Where mm-hmm. do you line up in the kids?
1: I'm the second youngest of six. So three boys, my sister, me, and then a younger brother.
0: So did you feel like, you know, you're right. I mean, 18 and 20, you're still a kid. Did you feel like your older siblings kind of, were they, you know, did you rely on them for parent type stuff?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that my parents raised us to be independent anyways. Yeah. So we didn't grow up in a home where mommy and daddy did everything for us. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I knew how to cook and clean when I was younger. And, you know, when you live in a house with eight people, everyone has to work to to be successful. And I would help my dad in the in the barn doing chores. We lived on a bee farm. So I, you know, knew what hard work was and, um, you know, kind of what it took to be successful, but yet still enjoying life. So, yeah.
0: I, um, my husband recently lost his mom and we're 34 and my, one of my best friends just lost her mom actually last week. And Mm. it's kind of like um, my husband's sister said, I just don't know how to not have, a mom,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. going through that in your 30s has to be so different than going through it in your early 20s, even or 18. How did you figure that out? I mean, is, and did your faith help you get through that?
1: Yes, um, definitely. In that I know we're just on earth temporarily, so you know, in the long term, but you know, I still had the rest of my life to live. You know, when I met my husband and we got married his parents became my parents. So that was really special that I have a good relationship with them. And, you know, whenever they are here with our kids or, you know, watching our kids, I am very grateful because my parents aren't around, but at least I have my husband's parents and I have a good relationship with them. So that definitely made it easier. And, you know, when I was in university, my roommate, Michelle, that I went to high school with, you know, she and I were really close. So, you know, that helped as well. And she grew up with, you know, several siblings. So we had similarities there. And I think that I think that that helped. And and also even being an athlete helped me just to kind of do the thing that I love doing, which was playing hockey at the time. So kind of keeping pace and keeping up with, with what you're trying to do. But, you know, also just realize that, I wasn't going to have parents to share it with, but I had other people in my life. Mm.
0: What? How long have you and your husband been married?
1: We have been married for 16 years.
0: Okay, so yes. what's your best marriage advice? I've been married nine years.
1: You know what? Honestly, is probably never go to bed angry. Okay. Yeah, because just deal with it. Talk about it. Maybe decide that you're going to further talk about it, but never go to bed angry.
0: Do you, um, does your husband run?
1: No, he's done, uh, he did a few kind of 5K jogs a couple of years ago, but he actually played volleyball and that's how we met was through Athletes in Action um, at the University of Guelph.
0: Okay. Does he, I mean, obviously you ran in the Olympics, so he understands the significance of, of what you're doing here. I mean, your family dedicates so much to it as well.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was, he's been super supportive. He's the one that has kind of given me the, given me the ideas about, you know, taking it to the next step. He was the one that suggested I first get a coach and then, you know, make other coaching changes based on what my needs were. So he can see things that I can't. And sometimes I resist at the beginning. And then, (laughs) you know, a few months later, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to take your advice on that. So, yeah, he's he's been a huge support, and even career-wise, you know, um, he had a job where he traveled a lot, and it was really tough when he was gone, when the kids were younger, um, but now he's he's got a job that's not quite as demanding anymore, and, you know, we're at the stage now where we're taking our kids to hockey and swimming and we're busy picking them up from volleyball and piano practice. And it's really rewarding and it's all about seasons of busyness and, you know, what can we handle now? And so, yeah, it's, we have a, it's a really rewarding part where we're at in terms of our marriage and and parenting.
0: I've delayed, uh, putting my kids in sports or anything. I mean, my oldest is only five, but like, even, Mm -hmm. you know, I see parents with their kids in like soccer and all these things when they're like three years old and I'm like, no, 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 we're delaying this as long as possible because um, I know how much time it's going to take when it really gets going, you know?
1: Yeah, and and we did the soccer thing, I think, with our first as well, and it's like, you want it to be fun, but, like, all they care about <laughs> is the oranges at the halftime and getting the, the new uniform, uh-huh. and I mean as long as you have that perspective to keep it fun and we still have that. Now our oldest is 11 and he plays rep hockey and it's, it's pretty involved. And then our nine-year-old is, is in competitive swimming. So it's gotten more serious over the years, but it always has to be fun.
0: Yeah, I know. And some people say, well, you, if your kid's a really good athlete, you, you know, kind of notice things like super early and we're, we are starting soccer with our oldest this fall for the first time though. And he's, five. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's time to start, you know, letting them explore and, and do those things. But man, I just was like, I am not committing to eight AM or whatever on a Saturday morning until I have to.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like exactly. to go run on
0: a Saturday morning myself.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and yeah, it's like you said, you've they've got the rest of their life to do it. And I don't think that kids need to be so serious when they're young. I look at me. I ran my first recreational marathon when I was twenty five. And made it to the Olympics fourteen years later,
0: and it's like, crazy to me that you say that too, because, man, i my first marathon was three thirty nine That's like not that much slower than your first marathon, but I am not gonna touch two twenty eight
1: Hey, hey, don't rule it out. How old are you now? i'm thirty four. <laughs> well, add you know, do the math and You never know. The sky's
0: the limit. That's crazy. It just seems insane to me. I'm going to try to run like a 310 next weekend. That's my, that's kind of my goal. Um, Yeah. But man, it's just an entire hour. That's so much time. What were you, um, what were you peeking out at with your miles? Like when you were in tip top
1: shape? When I ran my 228, I was probably like miles about 100.
0: 100 miles. Oh, Which, yeah, I forget. Yeah, your kilometers or yeah, yeah. miles. Yeah, so
1: 160 kilometers, yeah. Uh, maybe I had uh, one or two weeks of 170, but I don't think so. I think I was probably mostly around the 160 point. And I've always done a pretty good amount of cross training as well, so that, you know, takes your feet off the ground in terms of all that extra pounding that we tend to do.
0: When you really started breaking through, like, you ran the two fifty one on your own and then got the coach, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: is that when you kind of did you up your mileage? I mean, were you running eighty miles a week when you were doing the two fifty one? Well,
1: it's interesting because when I met with Nicole Stevenson, who was my first you know official coach, she was a good marathon herself. I think she, she, I think her personal best was about a two thirty two. So when we met, I showed her the mileage I did that got me my two fifty one, and she thought it was in miles and not kilometers. (gasps) She couldn't believe. That I ran the 251 and I I think it was like 60 K a week.
0: What is so what, then what is that mileage?
1: Oh 60K would be what'd it be K's about a
0: marathon, so
1: it'd be about four would it be forty? Forty,
0: yeah, forty-ish. Yeah. And that's a when bit you ran the two fifty one.
1: Two fifty one, yeah. Wow. So then let's see, just recently, like within the last year, I was I've been hitting about one eighty. So I've tripled my mileage in what, like 13 years or something like that. So it's been a long process. Plus I've had, you know, three injuries and three babies in there. So (laughs) it's, but I've enjoyed the whole process. And I didn't set the goal of making the Olympics until I was applying for my Saucony sponsorship in 2009. Mm -hmm. And that's when I thought, okay, let's make this serious. Let's set goals and work backwards and show how I want to achieve this. And and uh, I achieved the, the 228 before the 2016 Olympics. I mean, in fact, it was the 2012 Olympics that I decided, well, i found this close, why not go for it? And that's when I ran the 232.
0: Well, and, so, and you ran the 228 before the 229 that qualified you for the 2016 Olympics, right?
1: That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So
0: you knew you could d- do it. You've done it. You'd done it before.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Man. And you said you were in the pool most days before your run, almost every day.
1: Yeah, I'm a big pool runner. I like, um, it's just a good opportunity to get your body in the motion of, of running and, you know, not hitting the pavement. And it's also an opportunity for me to do my physio. So all of the exercises I do just with my legs, I enjoy doing it in the water. It's just I don't know, much more enjoyable than sitting on the ground and doing it, I guess. Do you think that's helped you with injury prevention? Oh, definitely. Like the first time I started pool running is when I was injured Mm. like several years ago. And I thought, why would I stop doing this? Because I want to always be able to go to it if I'm injured again. And if it can help me with recovery, then it's going to help me with prevention. So I I didn't leave the pool and I've been pool running for, I don't know, maybe 10 years. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you ever swim laps?
1: Yeah, usually I do. Um, about 75% of the time in the pool will be pool running, and then I will end with, with doing laps. And, and it's also good for recovery after races. Like, to get in the water just feels so good.
0: How many laps, like, how far, how many meters or yards or whatever when you do laps after you pool run?
1: I usually do about fifteen minutes of laps. I think. Okay. I've I've done longer before. Like I've done a few triathlons. Mm-hmm. So I don't even remember what the distance is for those. But swimming and, well, maybe biking. Well, no, maybe swimming would be my weakest component to a triathlon. Mm. And yeah, I'm, I I didn't grow up really learning to swim properly, so I'm probably a really ugly swimmer. <laughs>
0: But man, that's so much cross training. I mean, to really, if you think about it, if you're in the pool five days a week and you're kind of using that as your warm up before your run, I mean, your endurance just has to be
1: insane. Yeah, I think it's helped, but also at the same time, just with my recent coaching change, I think that's one of the things that we looked at was, do I need to be in the pool for that long? Like, believe it or not, I used to do like five days a week of an hour and a half. Mm, before and your then- run. And then run, yes.
0: Mm, wow. Do you think yeah. some of that is age too? Because you wanted to be super careful about making sure that you were, you know, you're not 25.
1: Right. Yeah. I th- I think that may have had some of, you know, part to do with it. But also, I guess I looked at it like I could be running higher mileage and probably getting injured or I can stay in the pool and replace the mileage with the pool running and get some benefit from that, but reduce my risk of injury.
0: Okay, Krista, did you see my email with the end of the podcast questions by chance? Yes. Okay. Are you ready? I did.
1: Okay. I hope I can answer them.
0: (laughs) What's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: A ski trip with my family.
0: Oh, that is precious. I love it.
1: Well, when I was in Kenya this year, I went there to do altitude training for a month. And my husband sent a video with the kids and they were coming down or going up the ski hill on this the ski lift and he was recording it and one of them said oh this is so fun and the other said yeah but I wish mom was here and then my six-year-old daughter said yeah but she's training in Kenya (laughs) so it was so sweet but then I thought I want to be on that next ski trip oh
0: that's precious yeah what's an accomplishment you're most proud of
1: Probably the summer of the Olympics that we talked about where my kids did all of the work around the house. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Rio and they got to see me become an Olympian.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Are your kids boy, boy, girl? Yes. Okay. Well, I know you're not, you don't get starstruck. But if you could have <laughs> coffee or cocktail with anybody fun, who would it be?
1: It's interesting because I pick my parents.
0: Oh, Just yeah. because...
1: You know, like they've been gone for so long that, I mean, there would be so much to talk about. They've, you know, they haven't even met my husband. Oh. So, yeah, like I said, I'm not starstruck by anyone out in life. And hey, why don't I have coffee with my mom and dad if I could?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, that's, it's crazy because they didn't know the adult you.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: If you could have one message to send to the world, what would it be?
1: Just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done, mm. which I just, you know, my age, my injury, and three kids. Sure. Uh, that just speaks for itself. Go for it. Yeah. What are you loving right now? I'm loving the balance of training and being a mom and being a dietitian and, you know, balancing that with um, being a wife and kind of juggling all the different balls in the air. But not throwing them too high right now. Just, just an even balance of all those things.
0: Are you like, are you going back to work as a dietitian? Have you already kind of started that?
1: Well, with this being an off season, I was supposed to do the Toronto marathon, which was last weekend, but I had an injury in the summer, which made sense because I had done too many marathons already in the last year. (laughs) But, um, I, I knew that I had to kind of get things going again in my dietitian career just you know financially for the family with the kids involved in sports like when they go to older the prices go up sure yeah. so I mean it's great I absolutely love it but it's a good season for me to get things going again so I'm spending more time definitely in my dietitian career than I have in the last several years
0: what what is the best most recent book you've read
1: Well, I'm not a big reader, I'll be honest. Um, I think by the time I open up a book, my heart rate drops and my body just wants to sleep. (laughs) But I will say my kids are big Harry Potter fans. Mm. So I finished the entire Harry Potter series when I was in Kenya. So I read the whole series and then uh, after each book, I would watch the movie with my kids. And that was kind of fun. Did you
0: like the books?
1: Yes, but, like, my kids, they're, they know everything about every book and every character, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like, wow, I can't remember half of that stuff. But, yeah, definitely interesting. Some of them were long, but, I mean, so creative. Yeah. Uh, just, wow. And And then it was really rewarding to watch the movie after the book because it was like any movie where – the book is always better. Oh, totally. So, you know, the first movie, within the first 10 minutes, I was like, they forgot this. They didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And my kid's like, Mom, Mom, I hate to tell you, but the books are better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've talked to other people who have older kids, older than mine, that are reading books. And they say that it's
1: fun to read along with your kids, like the book that they It is. Reading. And that's why I started reading it because, like, I had no interest in Harry Potter. Yeah. But because my kids were always talking about it, I thought I went in on this. I want to yeah. know what they're talking about, and and they loved it. They'd be like, no, 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 don't, no, Mom, mom's reading Harry Potter. Leave her, leave her alone. No, mom's reading. Mom's reading. <laughs> so it was, it was sweet.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and plenty of adult adults read the book on their own. The books. The oh series. yeah. Yeah, and love it. Do you exactly? Do you make any time at all to watch TV or movies?
1: I'm not a big movie watcher, but I will, I like to sit down with my family if they're going to watch a movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like documentaries to be honest. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I don't remember the last one that I saw. I mean, to be honest now with iPods and and phones, a lot of the time the TV's on and no one's even watching it.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Do your kids have, have, um, like devices like that?
1: Oh, yes. But, yeah. you know, we, we've we got rules. They're not allowed to take them anywhere in the house other than on the main floor, like our kitchen and, and family room. Um, you know, when we say iPods off, iPods are off, and they're big readers. So, yeah. you know, they'll get their Harry Potter books out and start reading, and, you know, we'll do other stuff, but... Um, you know, we're guilty of that as adults too, where we get on our phone and, you know, you go to check an email or a schedule. And then before you know it, you're on Twitter and Facebook and, you know, you get carried away with it too. So you have to lead by example, like everything else as a parent.
0: Oh, I think about that all the time. I'm like, Lindsay, put your phone down, put your phone down. They're watching you because my kids are so young still that they don't, we don't, they don't have devices yet. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. but they see, they see what I'm doing here on my phone, looking at my phone. They
1: see it. Yeah, and it's tough because they don't know if you're, like, truly checking, Uh you know, a map to to go to an arena Uh or what time their hockey practice is or if you're, you know, social media.
0: Just playing. I know, and I I do get torn, too, because sometimes if um, we do let them use our iPad... um, usually it's like ABC mouse or something. And I'm like, well, there's really nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's like a learning game. You just, Mm -hmm. there's this like negative association with a screen, you know?
1: And I think it's all about setting boundaries and and how much time. I know even with our six-year-old, I don't want her on her screen as much as her brothers Mm because she's younger. Like I need to be sitting with her and helping her learn to read. Yep. So reading books with them is always going to be better than a screen. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there certainly are you know, learn to read on your screen. Well, okay, is that good or bad? (laughs) Right? It's it's about balance.
0: Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite nonprofit you like to support?
1: The Kenyan Kids Foundation. Yeah, that's the group that Wesley Career and his wife Tara started. He was the 2012 Boston Marathon winner from Kenya, a very, you know, poor part of Kenya. And she's from Ontario that met when they went to school in the States on running scholarships and they started this foundation. So when I was in Kenya in April, I got to go to the small community that he grew up in and see where my support has been beneficial to them, you know, in terms of what I've been able to do in Canada. So helping local people with, you know, um, there's a room of, of sewing machines where they've started a business of of sewing uniforms for students. And and then they have a, a milk cooling system where the farmers can bring their milk to the station, get it weighed, and the milk gets cooled at the proper temperature. So that's the, the group that I definitely love to support. And it meant that much more when I got to see in person, you know, what their life is truly like.
0: Oh, that's so cool that you got to yeah. go over there and see it. Oh,
1: I'm so glad I did. It was just... I mean, I've been on mission trips before, so I wasn't it wasn't new to me to see how people can live with so little, but you know, to see these East Africans and, and how they want a better life and they wanna be at the Olympics and run fast, but there's so many of them. Mm. It's just an entirely different way of life and it's so simple but still so enjoyable that they can live a life with less and be so content whereas here we have more and we're constantly busy and often people aren't content Mm -hmm. so two different worlds in a way
0: yeah very much so he's married to a canadian yes oh cool
1: and and they live in kenya so she um moved down there to be in his you know native land and they have two children so they they come back and forth and they'll stay with her parents near waterloo ontario and um wesley will be training for a marathon and she's a marathoner too Mm -hmm. she competed at the world championships in london this year so yeah quite a unique story where they're both you know competitive runners and uh yeah really wonderful couple that uh yeah that i'm glad to to know them and be friends with them
0: And using their names or whatever you want to call it to do something amazing.
1: Yes. And, you know, with his prize money from the Boston Marathon, he goes back and he puts that into his community. He was also a member of Parliament. So, you know, when I stayed with him, I saw what life was like for him. And we stayed in the guest house uh, the one night when we were there. And in the morning, I went to, I was a training day. I wasn't training. I was just a day off. But I thought I'd go for a walk and take pictures. There had to have been a dozen people at, like, 7 in the morning outside this guest house waiting for him just to be asking him questions. Mm. Can you imagine leaving your house and there's, like, people just waiting around to see you? Like, it's... Wow. And then to be training for marathons and to be a husband and have two kids Uh and he had to go to Nairobi for a lot of his parliament meetings and yeah, all for his people to make a better life. That's,
0: that's incredible. That's so amazing. I'm so glad you got to go there and see that. That's so cool.
1: Yes, me too. I'm so glad. It was, you know, it was a bit of a car ride out there, but uh, yeah, definitely worth it.
0: You know, you've made it in running when you're traveling to Kenya to train. (laughs)
1: yeah well it's interesting because it was kind of a bucket list I wanted to do and it was my 40th birthday present to myself Mm. so uh but I I have to say it was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life was to leave my family for that Mm. long Mm -hmm. like I was bawling at the airport I just felt not I I knew I was doing the right thing and my husband supported me but a month is a long time and um
0: that is a long time
1: I knew I knew it would end but it was just something that I felt I wanted to do in my career. Check it off the list. And um, yeah, I'll probably never do it again unless they're with me.
0: And now you can check off uh, skiing with a ski trip with your family.
1: Exactly. And that's yes. next. I, oh. Well, that's what I missed last year. I mean, they had a great time when I was gone and that's what they did. They They went on a few ski trips, but yeah, I'm going to be on the next one.
0: That's awesome. Well, Krista, thank you so much for taking your time on a Friday night to chat with me.
1: Thanks, yeah. What do we do on Friday nights when we've got three kids? I know,
0: I (laughs) know.
1: We have Skype phone calls.
0: We're clearly partying up. I'm sitting in my closet with a glass of wine and a water (laughs) bottle chatting with you, so it's perfect.
1: We live a pretty elaborate life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, hey, I'll see you. um, Hopefully, I'll see you on next Friday at the expo. Yeah.
1: For sure.
0: I'm looking real forward life. to it.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Okay. okay.
0: Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: All right, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Krista, for being an awesome guest. Hey, if you guys are looking for more content for me, you can find that over on my Patreon page. I just recorded a new bonus episode with Kim Hoban. She was uh, one of my guests in episode, I think it was like 44 or something like that. You guys just go to patreon.com slash Hine. You can find me on Instagram at lindseyhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindseyhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. All right, you guys. Have a wonderful Friday. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday. Say, I'll have another. Are you eating a Pop-Tart for breakfast? (laughs) Have a boy weekend. See you next time.